Yes, once again, we are back. This is the Shooting Stars World Cup podcast, episode seven. My name is Stuart Marshall, and joining me, as per usual, is Alex Grant and Bryce Conway. Hello, gents. Morning. Hey, Stu. How are you, mate? Yeah, we're back. We're loving life. We're back, and there's been plenty of action, of course, in the World Cup over the past few days since Sunday. Um, We will be reviewing all of that in this episode, and we'll be also bringing you an exclusive interview with Socceroo Josh Risden later in the podcast, so... Be sure to stick around and listen to that one in the build-up to tonight's final group stage match for Australia. But big news overnight, of course, are the four games that took place in the FIFA World Cup. Saudi Arabia, Egypt, Uruguay, Russia, Iran, Portugal and Spain, Morocco. And it's interesting, like the Premier League on the last day of the season, the final group stage matches are kicking off at the same time, so no team has the upper hand. First two games of last night were Saudi Arabia and Egypt, where Saudi Arabia prevailed 2-1. Uruguay and Russia, and Uruguay smashed Russia, brought them back down to earth 3-0. Uh, we'll start with those two games, guys. I know you both watched the Uruguay-Russia Uruguay, Uruguay game. How did we like it, Bryce? Yeah, look, um, I think Uruguay just were rampant from the beginning. They'd been looking very sluggish the first two games of the tournament, so it was good to see them kind of hit their straps. It was Musler, their goalkeeper's 100th game for Uruguay, so congratulations to him. But um, Suarez opening the scoring with a very tidy free kick, almost a carbon copy of the one we saw Quiro score for Colombia against Japan earlier on in the uh, campaign. Yeah, Al? Yeah, I think um, it was a big wake-up call for Russia. Um yeah, I think all the Russians now realise that maybe they're not as good as what they <laughs> maybe they anticipated. are indeed weak source. Um, the keeper was really poor, especially with the free kick. If you watch that back early doors, he goes one way and then weight, Suarez, yeah. yeah, his weight's on the wrong side, and he gets done. They done. weren't they weren't helped by Smolnikov getting sent off after only thirty seven minutes. He two just got he's got a start for him. How's that? Your World Cup debut yeah. and you get two yellows two in twenty five minutes. Shocking fully deserved. Yeah. Oh, second tackle was just so Idiot. dumb. Yeah, you you're on a yellow, you're two 0 down. Is there any real point in giving a needless foul away like, like was he it, did? what was the second book? Was it a So that was tank? the second one. The yeah. first one was for the foul. Uh, that led to the first goal, and then yeah. so in other words, he had a beast. And his second tackle was on that uh, that left wing back Laxalt, who's got the braids, and who someone commented on Twitter for us that he looks like a thirteen-year-old boy on his first trip to Bali. I'll so, be honest with you, Bryce. I thought you would have rated that Barnet. He just it didn't suit it. No, just not for him. I'm gonna I'm gonna give him no no. It's chance. like a poor man Stephen Pienaar in it. Exactly. In my opinion. There you go. There you <laughs> it go. Is, it that's is. actually a very good shout. Yeah, that, that's what it looked like to me. Pienaar's haircut was legendary back it in was. the day. It was. Well. Recognisable. pull it off. Stephen Pienaar from South Africa yeah. and formerly of Everton and Tottenham. Um, yeah. Oh. Terrible haircut. Go on. Yeah, I will note that Bentenko is actually a midfielder at Juve. They got plays for Uruguay as well. I think he was quite impressive for Uruguay. He's, um, he's only nine, 21 years old. So, for all those FIFA 19 prospects, put him on the list. I, d- I don't think they can be too confident now. Obviously, they'll be facing Spain in the round of 16. We know two fixtures there now um, after last night's results. Uh, Russia facing Spain and obviously Portugal up against Uruguay, Uruguay which is yeah. the one that stands out to me is the game I'll be watching. Definitely, um, yeah. But yeah, I think Spain, who've not played well, <laughs> probably got 
I've got the job I've done. Got an, I've got an easy route now. Yeah. It's going to make the quarters at least. The we'll, way I we'll, we'll get to Spain, but we'll finish off the first game. So Saudi Arabia, Egypt was the other match, and I, I guess we could call this the rogue matchup of the night because yeah. it was probably it wasn't one of the best games I've seen at this World Cup so far. A lot of drama. However, just the quality of the match, I didn't particularly like. Saudi Arabia scored a dramatic 95th minute winner, and they beat Egypt to finish their World Cup campaign on a high. Egypt took the lead in the 22nd minute and Mohamed Salah scored. He should have scored a second one pretty much one minute later. And he tried to be too cute and chipped the keeper and he completely fluffed it when he should have just smashed it into the net. You would put your house on him scoring in the position he was in. He does tend to miss a few one-on-ones. Um, he needs a few chances in order to score, but um glad he got on the score sheet again. Two goals, I mean, he's done well. He was pretty like... Considering dri- his service was rubbish. Yeah, he drifted in and out of the game a lot. I like the look at Trezeguet for Egypt. Yeah, very um, famous name in World Cup. Not so related to him, yeah. however. He's... No, he's He's got Trez Ige with an uh, with an I oh, instead damn. of two E's. So well, there goes that. Yeah. yeah, not related to David Trezeguet. Are you being um a bit nice about this game? I feel like you can put the boot in and just say. Oh, Saudi Arabia are horrendous. They give away the ball so much, and they did that in the first game against yeah. Russia a yeah, lot. We, we know what that, didn't we? Yeah. Who's they they, worse? Play, they so pass the ball all right, but they do they, try and play good football. But then they just like their passing can be so 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 sloppy at times, and they careless in going forward. They. Oh, man, they had so many chances to score and they completely fluffed it in good positions and it's frustrating to watch. And they huffed and puffed. And in the first half, they got awarded two penalties. Uh, big VAR controversy right on the stroke of halftime. Took about 10 minutes to decide. That was probably the worst VAR decision in terms of time that yeah, I've seen okay. at this World Cup. The referee made his decision, VAR told him to check it. And then he went and checked it but didn't go with the VAR's advice and he stuck with his original decision. So... He really lapped up a lot of time at the end of the first half and then Saudi Arabia scored their second penalty or like on their second attempt at a penalty. So yeah. Yeah, and after the first one, the Egyptian keeper be forty five years old, his oldest man to ever play in the World Cup and then he's saved a penalty on that day. So good good on him. Yes, and in the second games after that, Iran, Portugal, Spain, Morocco and these two were littered with uh good moments just and good World Cup action. So many talking points for these games. Yes. And I and I'm Gutted that they were the 2 a.m. games. Yeah, we'll start with Iran, Portugal. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's missed a penalty. Uh, there's been VAR controversy. Ronaldo's, you know, there's talk he could have got sent off as well for for a challenge on an Iran player. But uh, one all draw in the end, and an injury time penalty given to Iran via the VAR secured their a draw with Portugal. So. Um, yeah, really, really interesting game. Spain-Portugal will uh, progress out of this group now. So Ricardo Caresma scored an absolute belter, didn't he, Al? Naboo-esque. Um, <laughs> he was a worldie. Laid off outside the box, outside of the foot, into the uh, the top corner. Um, yeah, top bins. It was, um, yeah, it was a sick goal. Yeah, Caresma's one of those guys. He's played for Inter Milan, he's played for Chelsea, he's played for Barca, never really established himself properly. So, mm. yeah, he's at Besiktas now in Turkey, so he's done well for himself there. Yeah, the the penalty that um, Portugal conceded. See, this this is the one that's up for de- debate for me. It was very similar to the the one that occurred in the Denmark Australia game that the the Danes gave away. Um, I think that one was more obvious than this this Definitely. one because actually the, in the Australia game the ball was had a good chance of going in from the header, whereas this one the um, attacker I can't remember who it was was going away from goal. The ball had been crossed to the back post. He's stretching back 
I don't honestly think he can generate enough power there to score. Mm. And it oh, didn't no, look like he did, but he heads it down. And yeah. the defender who's challenged the header, you don't jump with without your arms. So your arms are going to be in a position where you can, you know, exert force to get high, right? They're not going to be da- down by your side. So he's stood a yard away from him and it's hit him on the arm. What are you supposed to do? Exactly. For me, that that's just where you use common sense. The yeah. ball wouldn't have gone in. There was no other Iranian players near the ball. For me, you just use your common sense there and say it's not going to go in. It's not a penalty. Yeah, but that was awful. Yeah, the yeah. rule states that if it is on, on goal, which it probably was going to go on goal, but the keeper would have just picked it up and it yeah, would have been yeah. an easy save. So I mean, I think the VAR has been all right to this point, but last night there were some so, shockers. Yeah, they I wouldn't call them shockers, but I think they there was very questionable like use of it. And I guess it just took so long and there's like we're debating the use of the VAR and the decisions that they've made from last night's games, which I don't think we have done a lot of at this World Cup yet. I think the Ronaldo one was definitely a penalty. Yeah, that was definitely a penalty. That was probably the... Referee was right there as well. So maybe they are relying too much on it. Yeah, just double checking. Yeah, so Ronaldo had got, for the listeners, Ronaldo had been tackled or... Yeah, you got been pretty much stepped in front of in the box and yeah. the referee didn't award it, but it got overturned by the VAR. So, um, yeah, interesting stuff. In the second game, Spain-Morocco, two-all draw, another David De Gea moment where he sort of got megged. Oh, maybe maybe I'm being too harsh Poor there. defending. Very much. putting it on the keeping. Yeah. yeah, he should never have been allowed, allowed to run for on goal like that. So, you can't really blame him on De Gea. Very rare to see Iniesta make such a mistake, especially in that area of the pitch. Yeah. I mean, obviously, he atoned him for himself with that um, assist for Isco with the equaliser but yeah it was very out of character and I think De Gea was fuming yeah, after that I guess he's human eh he's human after all just like Ronaldo yeah. missing the pen exactly human after all if you, if you look at Group B it actually was really close so Spain and Portugal both finished on five points and then Iran were on four so it was like Iran can take a bit of confidence out of that hopefully going forward that they've, they've actually competed and done alright against the big team. In other groups, like four points, two results from three games gets you through. Yeah. So it's a bit stiff on them, I guess, from their perspective. But yeah, Spain and Portugal were the favourites to get through. And Spain, on the back of all their controversy at the start of the World Cup, have put together three results, which is really, really good stuff. Top think, of the group. I think it's important that we point out as well how if the games tonight and the next coming days are close with the groups, um, whether teams are finishing on the same points, It'd be good just to point out um, how teams qualify if they do finish on the on the same points. I know, obviously, if you got more points than the other team, you go through. But then it goes to the um, the Wait, goal difference. So, so if t- say t- yeah, yep. with the group stages for qualifying, so, so if, if you finish on the same same points, points. Uh, it then goes to goal difference. Um, and then after that, if that doesn't settle it, then it goes to the greater number of goals scored in all group matches between the teams concerned. And then finally, if that can't settle it, it goes to the greater number of points obtained in the fair play conduct of the team based on yellow and red cards. And and Imagine getting knocked out because you've given away too many yellows. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting stat. And that's the reason England are top of their group at this stage. Them and Belgium have both conceded and scored the most amount of goals, or the same amount of goals and but have less, the same points. But yet less yellow cards. But England have one less yellow card. So we'll get to England in a moment. That's, but we'll, that, that's, I think that's really interesting. It is. I'd never actually heard of that being a parameter for separation. Had you? Like no, in terms I, of no, I, I, did, I did not. Someone told me the other day, oh, they just flip a coin. Mm. But I know. I think after after yeah. that, it actually even if, if, yeah. even if that's the same at the end of that, and they both got the same amount of yellow cards and red cards, then it actually comes down to I think the final stage, they pull it out of a hat 
Just oh, get him to play. Lucky. Honest oh. to God, they pull it out of a hat. Get him to play Connect Four or something. I yeah. reckon. <laughs> or a penalty Rock, paper, shootout. scissors. <laughs> they could do that one off. Imagine yeah. the stress. They could do like a penalty shootout, but I guess we know how all that will end for England. So, ooh, oh, well. <laughs> um, just some reaction from the games overnight as well. Um, Portugal coach Fernando Santos sort of brushed aside the VAR decisions and a subpar performance from Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, to stress to his players that their main goal was achieved. So I guess you can say we got through, even though Portugal, look, three games, haven't played three, uh, have not played that well, got got the results. But in terms of like the team well, Ronaldo's performance, played well. Yeah, Ronaldo's yeah. played well. <laughs> yeah, not convinced. <laughs> all that matters. Not convinced by Spain or Portugal, no. really, I think. I reckon Portugal were more likely to get knocked out earlier Definitely. than Spain. Yeah, cause, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, Portugal played Uruguay, and I think Uruguay is a matchup. I mean, Uruguay showed in that game against Russia, they are. Are starting to finally find Uruguay their Uruguay showing the whole group. They've got three wins from three. Yeah. They're not a win game. But they have so. not. They were very sluggish in their first two games, I thought. And then Spain against Russia. You're gonna have to go. Spain are going through. So, yep. So Edison Cavani's now scored at three World Cups. Second Uruguay player to do that behind Luis Suarez. There you go. They have a lethal duo. Those two. Yes. Um, yeah, Morocco's boss, Hervé Renard, won't talk about future after the magical moment versus Spain. It'll be interesting to see what happens in the Morocco camp. There's a couple of good players there that could get picked up as well. Amrabat's had a fantastic tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was really good, actually. He He's already sh- at Watford in the Premier League, obviously, but it'll be interesting to see if he can... Yeah, that shot as well, yeah. which that would have been an amazing goal. Yeah. Uh, interesting news surrounding Mohamed Salah. So he's had a rather topsy-turvy tournament himself, but... There is word coming out of the Egyptian Football Association that Mohamed Salah is on about, or the reports about him quitting the national team. Yeah, it's he, he's arguing, or the murmurs are, that he's kind of been used as a prop this whole tournament, really. Um, I mean, he's just been used for advertising way too much, and there was that stuff that happened before where they put him his face on a plane, which wasn't you know, agreed to by Mo Salah. But, I mean, he scored two goals. He missed that first game through his shoulder, and he made the headlines... So, yeah, very interesting tournament for him. Yeah? Yeah, I'm just glad he got on the pitch and actually got to contribute. You got to I wonder if he really goes back on that him. plane. <laughs> You'd hope not, wouldn't you? It's just this big mug on a plane. He's just like, I didn't know. <laughs> did I say yes to this? He's actually on the flags for the Liverpool membership as well. It's just a massive picture of him. Mm. What a guy. He didn't really show any emotion when he scored last night. He was sort of emotionless. Maybe it's because he knew it was kind of in vain. He didn't yeah, do an AMR. And they weren't getting to oh, They didn't do a Neymar. That's the difference. Yeah. Salah, what a gentleman. Yeah. <laughs> Level-headed, and you get Neymar crying his eyes out after scoring against Costa Rica. Anyway, Spare Bryce. Me. All right. Let's go to England now. Big result the other night. Alex, you're the English man on this panel. Football's coming home. <laughs> it's coming home. It's coming. It's coming home, lads. Everyone's very confident now. What, what do we reckon? <laughs> nah, let's not get carried away. Tunisia and Panama. Oh, Huge! <laughs> well, that, the next the next game will be the biggest test. Um, then we really will see where we're at. Biggest ever win at a World Cup for England. Yes, and there was some other records. Harry Kane obviously scored his hat-trick. And yeah. he was the first Englishman. I was going to use this as a trivia question, Bryce, but you told me before <laughs> we went on air... So, my dad will be gutted because he was expecting this one, but... So sorry. Um, first Englishman since Gary Lineker in 1986 to score a hat-trick at the World Cup Finals. Ha! Huh. Actually, I'll bring a trivia question to you before, uh, after this, but first, this is Gareth Southgate after the game. Just a bit of reaction from that match. I, I didn't particularly like the performance, really. Well, I didn't like the start. 
um, and I didn't like the goal at the end, but I guess the bits in the middle were pretty good. We want to keep momentum, um, so we'll have to have a think about exactly how we want to, um, the, the team we want to put out. Players that need a match uh, because they've not played for a while, um, um, but also we, we, we want to keep winning football matches. Yeah, so it'll be interesting to see what happens to the England team after this. Obviously, Alex, what do you reckon will uh, Gareth Southgate should do or will do? Yeah, look, I think he's um, the lads who he's brought on, he's just brought them on to get a bit of game time, you know, get their legs ticking over. But I think the lads who we didn't see feature at all in the game will more than likely start. I think you've got like Phil Jones, Dio, Alexander Arnold. I think we'll expect Rashford as well, who we didn't see come on, who you probably would have expected to come on after his performance in the first game where he came on and affected the game quite well. Um, I think more than likely they'll start in the final game. I think he will make a few changes. What about Harry Kane? Top of the, top, leading the golden boot, this Alan Shearer said this, he's like, leading the golden boot, you want to keep the momentum going. 100%. And Rio Ferdinand disagrees, saying it's a long tournament. Games are short and sharp, which you mentioned. Resting players isn't the, probably the worst option when you have it, the opportunity in the group stage like they do. I mean, yeah. I think I think he should start. I think he's the captain and he should start every game in a World Cup. Yeah, I agree. You Just, just take it easy, Harry. Just... Yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I, don't don't exert yourself too much. Keep just scoring deflection goals off the back of your heel by accident. Just I, take I, it easy. You've got to start some, obviously. So I think he's one you you'd have to have on the pitch. He's, he's your leader at the end of the day. I would just like to note the Panamania in that game when they scored their first ever World Cup goal with Felipe Baloy making history for the country. I mean, I mean, he's 37 years old, plays in the Guatemalan league with Municipal. They went nuts. How good were their celebrations? Yeah. That what five yeah. nil down at the time? They went absolutely mental. Yeah. It was so great to see. They are crap though, Panama. Oh, they are probably the worst I've ever seen in the World Cup. Mm. Their first half was honking. The yeah. goal was really good. Yeah, and it I was think a nice it, goal. The the thing that frustrated me was it it kind of showed the um, the lapse of concentration that England had just on that set piece and showed that maybe there is a, w- a weakness there. I know it was only one goal and probably the only mistake they made in the whole game, but. You'd expect them not to make those kind of errors. I know Carl Walker was just stood planted, really. Didn't even bother tracking the tracking the strike. Second time, this some were trying to play lazy. offside. Are you giving Carl Walker advice? I am. I've got it. Yes, Kyle there Walker. we go, Grant. You, you know, he just won, just won the Prem, eh? And he's, I'm giving him more stick. <laughs> his notepad and pen. He's made his moleskin diary will be full of notes from you this World uh, Cup. I absolutely uh, love it. So um, a funny takeaway. Well, just so you know, I got my C license last month, so I know my stuff. Okay, right. good. <laughs> <laughs> I could vouch for that. I remember. Yeah. Manager. Right, um, an England fan. This is some funny, funny news out of the result. An England fan. Uh, has a bargain to uphold after making a bold wager ahead of Sunday's game against Panama. Jess promised to get a tattoo of John Stones if the central defender central defender managed to get himself on the score sheet. Carl Walker said he'd pay for he it. He did. Yeah. I did see Carl Walker <laughs> quote <laughs> the tweet. tweeted that. John yeah. Stones, for the listeners that maybe didn't see the game, John Stones is a centre-back and he scored two goals and that is quite ridiculous. That stuff never happens for a central defender like John Stones to score one, but two goals in a game. Yeah. So... Uh, John Stones has come out and said, hope it doesn't hurt too much. And then Kyle Walker, Alex's mate, has offered to pay this for this fan to get the tattoo of John Stones. Can't so, wait to see it. Very, very funny stuff. Um, would you ever get a tattoo of a player like that? Or do you know anyone that's done anything like that? I was, You know what? I had to bite my tongue then. I was almost going to say, I'm going to get a tattoo of like, the Ooh, England team. If they I was going to say, are you going to get the score no. if they win the World Cup? No. 
Blank canvas, mate. I, no, I'd never get a toe. Idiots. How far do you think? <laughs> how far do you think um, England can go? Come on, there's a bit of chat around it. Is, I, it. is it overhyped? Can they win it? It's definitely overhyped, but it's. I don't know. Everyone's enjoying it. I think, aren't they? I think it's just because they've done so bad at the last the last major tournament. So it's just it's nice to see um, them do well for a change. I think it's the celebrations, the the hype and everything surrounding. It's a bit ironic. I think that it's kind of like, hey. It's coming home after a couple of good results, and I think it's just a bit of fun, to be honest. I don't think a lot of people are thinking, we can actually win this. Yeah, yes. I just think they're just very surprised and happy that they're in a, a, some serious form in the World Cup. Yeah, um, and they are playing really well. I reckon this is the best England team I've ever seen play. Well, that the first two games... I've I say that every <laughs> everywhere. Oh, this is the best England team <laughs> I've ever seen. No doubt in my mind. <laughs> on paper, and then they go out there and absolutely bottle it. Well, they're doing know. well at the moment. Here they are. All right, um... I'm going to bring you some trivia now, as I promised. So I'm going to bring you two questions because I've got a feeling you both know the one I'm going to ask you. So I've got a couple here for you, but this is a, a new segment. This Lee is Sharp. Trivia. Lee Sharp. Lee Sharp. Lee Sharp. Lee Sharp. Trivia. Yeah, baby. Uh, right. You do that way too well. Boston Powers fan. Okay. All right, so obviously Harry Kane scored the hat-trick. He was the first player since Gary Lineker in 1986 at a World Cup Finals to score a hat-trick in a World Cup game. 3-0 against Poland. That's the one. Um, okay. Name the other <laughs> English player. <laughs> that, uh, hold on, hold on. Can we that, say it at the same time, Grandy? Name the other English player to score a hat-trick at a World Cup. Give me the year. Give me, I've got this. Give me what game? You give the name. Sharp, you give sharp, the name. Sharp, granted, you give the name and I'll give the details of the match. Okay, it was Jeff Hurst. Scored in the uh, 1966 final against West Germany, which ended 4-2 after extra time. Yes. Bosh. Can you name the stadium? Wembley. Yeah. Hey, right, yes. Well done, lads. Yes. Bang. Well done. Is that it? Ding, ding. All right. Here's one more. The... Can you name the player that has scored the only player that has scored two hat tricks at hold up? Yes, I can. Question. Can you name the player that has scored two hat tricks at the World Cup finals? Uh, and what year and where? Okay. For bonus, but there's only been one player in history to score two hat tricks at two different World Cup finals. Who is it? Okay, I've got the name. If you want to have a dig at the details, that it's Gabriel Batistuta of Argentina. Can I'm gonna say ninety eight. Yep. <gasps> yep. And it's not two thousand two. No, I know that. Yeah. I know it's going back in time. Yeah. So, well, I'll say ninety four then. Yes, correct. Yeah. Oh. Boys, sign us up. Get us on some pa- expert panels, yes. trivias. If you need to have a pub quiz about the World Cup, hit me up. Here's one for you. Gabriel Batistuta actually lived in Perth for a short while. I don't know whether he's still there. He might be, but I doubt it. Isn't it City Beach, wasn't it? Yeah, he did. Yeah. 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 Wanted yeah. to coach Glory. Did he? Yeah. And there they go, go, what are your qualifications? And he's like, oh, I've scored two hat-tricks <laughs> yeah. in the World Cup. <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. Fiorentina legend. Yeah. All right, well done, boys. That was some trivia. <laughs> Alrighty, let's move on to Australia now. We'll touch on Australia before we bring you Josh Richardson's interview, which will be coming up next. I just want to uh, maybe pose something here in terms of the team. I just want to pose something here in terms of the team. 
<laughs> I just want to post. Are something. you okay? Right. I just want to post something here in terms of like the way the team will shape up. Uh, I read something. Obviously, Naboo doesn't play, and this is like food for thought. Could Robbie Cruz go into the central position and Daniel Azani go out in the left wing? And that would probably allow Australia to play the same way more than bringing on Urich or Cahill would, I think. Could the, you not? The, so Peru, you the Peru camp have actually come out and praised Robbie Cruz and said that like he's he's a credit to have for Australia, which I thought was nice. They're trying to boost his confidence for the next game. No, but I think... Did you see that? No, yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. I didn't see that. In terms of what you were saying, like he runs a lot, that could be a good option for Bert Van Marf, like if he wants to go down the same path in terms of tactics. Defensively, he's great. Yeah. Works his but he could off. he could run around up top, run in behind, could you know run At, off the shoulder that sort of thing. Are you saying up top essentially? Yeah. So put him in the middle. Jeez. Like a ten. Yeah. I don't know about that. Like He's not. I don't think he can hold Rogic. the ball up that well. Yeah. Or like just put him where Naboo was. Look, food for thought. It's interesting to see what happens there. I don't know what um, he's going to do. Of course, Australia are kicking off tonight at 10 p.m. against Peru in their final group stage match, Bryce. Yeah, I'm Jefferson Farfan. Huge out for Peru. He's got a concussion. They're saying he might be out for a month. I mean, he's he's had a very good career. And a former Schalke winger now at Locomotive Moscow. So I think that's a big out and a big plus big for the plus for the Aussies, yeah. yeah um, big time. Yeah. Oh. Come on, we got to get the win, but tonight, 10 o'clock. All right, before we get to the interview, actually, Alex has got something here he wants to play. This is a new segment. This is a new segment. What so did we call it? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> it's, called, it's called the World Cup Rewind. Listeners. Yes. Yeah. The Craig David all over your... Yeah, so boys, um, I've just uh, done a little research um, over the last couple of days and stuff and um, looked at things that have happened on this day, the 26th of June. Um, Yep, so we are recording this on the 26th of June, 2018. So on this day, hit us. Here you go. On this day in 1982, um, there was a massive upset in the host nation's Group game Spain. We're playing Northern Ireland. Um, Northern Ireland won one nil, um, thanks to a 47th minute Jerry Armstrong goal. Um, I've actually got um, a quote from one of the Northern Ireland players, um, Tommy Cassidy, who revealed in 2010 that he and Jerry Armstrong had a bit of a problem after the game. Um, and I quote, <laughs> immediately after the game finished, myself and Jerry Armstrong were taken away for a drugs test, Cassidy told the Lancashire Telegraph. We were both so dehydrated that it took us an hour and a half to give a sample. We were sat under armed guards next to FIFA doctors and officials, and it was just so funny that it took us so long, we simply couldn't pee. We tried and tried drinking water, lager, and even wine to help us. Jerry drank so much alcohol that he was a little bit drunk. He was singing Danny Boy and all sorts. <laughs> it was hilarious. Even one of the guards began to sway to his singing. So there you go. That was a massive upset for <laughs> Northern Ireland against Spain Fantastic. in 1982. And then after that, I've got, what else have I got here? Oh, I'm taking you back now to 1954 where another host nation, Switzerland, were beaten in the quarterfinals um, against Austria. Um, and the tw- it, the result was 7-5 to Switzerland. Jeez, the Alpine Derby. There you go. Um, and thought, the 12 goals the, scored... thought they brought nothing. Yeah, well, <laughs> there you go. There, mate. Well, the 12 goals scored in the match set a World Cup record 
unequal to date. So there you go for the highest scoring match ever on this day. On this day, um, the match is known by its German name, and excuse my pronunciation here, Hitschschlatt von Lausen. That was fantastic. Which um, translated to the heat battle of Lausanne um, due to the high temperature that it was played under. They played under 40 degrees. It was 40 degrees when they played that game. Um, So yeah, that's that one. And finally, um, I've got to bring it up. Um, You're going to hit us hard here, aren't you? I am. Um, but on this day in 2006, what is it? What is it? Australia were knocked out of the World Cup in the round of 16 to Italy. That's when Socceroos fans could never look like a Tony in the but face. But I think I think it's a, it's kind of it's a good incentive now for the world for the Socceroos tonight to come back. You know, we're here in modern era. We're going to win tonight, and you know. Put that to bed, all that in the past. You'd be such an anti-climax if Australia get the win, but still don't go through, which is obviously <laughs> the most likely scenario. Yeah, they need France to win. What is it? Um, By one goal yeah. or 2-1? Yeah. Ideally 2-0 and we win 1-2-0, then it's safe. But It's out of our hands. What's your tip for the game tonight? Bro? I've said 1-0, and I think it'll be a late winner from uh, old mate Timmy Cahill. There you go. Off the bench? Off the bench. Is he going to start? Do you think he deserves to start? I think he'll come on. I don't he'll think bring he'll bring him start. on the last 20 or yeah. something. Yeah. Yep. yeah, something he probably should have done against Denmark. But anyway, that's my World Cup Rewind. Thanks, mate. That was the... Alrighty. Let's, uh, we're going to progress on now. We uh, caught up with Josh Risen on Sunday, actually, so a couple of days ago now, but he was kind enough to lend us some time. Soccer Risen defender Josh Risen, hopefully he's playing tonight again in a very, very big game, of course. Massive game for the Soccer Huge. We spoke all about Australian camp, what it's been like for him in the World Cup so far, so here it is. G'day, this is Adam Peacock from Fox Sports. You're listening to the Shooting Zars. World Cup podcast. Alrighty, on the line now we have Josh Risden from the Socceroos who's been kind enough to join us here on the Shooting Czars World Cup podcast and Josh, it's an absolute uh, honour to have you on the podcast with us mate. Um, what's it been like playing at a World Cup? Yeah, morning guys, uh, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's been unreal. Um, it's an amazing experience so far. Um, just having a time in my life really. Um, it's always been a dream of mine to, to play at a World Cup and um, yeah, to be on the biggest stage in, in world football is something you sort of pinching yourself um, here and there. And, and the first two games have, have been unreal, the atmosphere. Um, just the whole experience on, on game day is just is just so exciting. The buzz around the stadium um, just feels like a like a final in every game. Um, so, yeah, sort of pinching myself um, every time I'm out on the field and just, yeah, I can't really believe I'm, I'm there. And Josh, um, the boys have got to be really proud of the performances they've put in. Um, it's a shame you've not got a uh, a win yet, but obviously you're looking forward to uh, the Peru game. Yeah, definitely, really looking forward to it. Um, yeah, like you said, we've we've, we've played well, um, but obviously at a tournament like this, you you need to get results. So um, look, if we if we can continue to play like the way we played against France and Denmark, we start our game plan that that's worked both games. Um, just probably that final product hasn't been there, but um, yeah, look, if we can. Um, if we can obviously do do what we did in the first two games against Peru, then um, hopefully we can do enough to, to get through. I think um, all the boys are very confident that, that we can do enough on the day to 
to obviously get the win, and obviously it depends on the other game, but we've just got, got to do one thing, and, and that's win and get the result. Um, but yeah, all the boys are very confident we can do enough to, to progress through the next round. Yeah, I mean, just in, in general, I think the public's consensus has been the performances have been there and it's been a lot of hunger and desire and class shown by you guys just not getting that final ball through. But how's the mood been in the camp leading up to the Peru game? Yeah, we're still still very confident. Um, obviously, there's a lot of positives to take out of those first two games. Um, we, all, we always knew they were going to be the two tougher games. Um, and it's pretty yeah, disappointing that we're only sitting on one point where we probably think we should be could be on four points. And then, obviously, we obviously come down as much to the last game. But, um, yeah, everyone's very confident. Um, we've got a lot of faith um, from from the boss, um, and he, he believes we can go through. Um, and so to all us boys, um, it's a good vibe still. And, um, yeah, we're very confident heading into to the game on Tuesday. What I want to know, Josh, who are you rooming with this World Cup? Because I know in the past when I spoke to you, you've roomed with Aaron Moy, but are you staying with him or have you been moved on and palmed off because now he's gone all big time in the Prem? <laughs> <laughs> He's palming me off big time, mate. Oh, um, no, got him. Nah, so, um, <laughs> nah, so obviously, um, when we get here, it's, uh, everyone's just got their own room. Um, I think because obviously it's such a big um, such a big tournament. Um, yeah, I think everyone's, yeah, just used to their own space because um, we obviously we've been together for five, six weeks now in camp, so you get a bit sick of the boys. So, um, but yeah, everyone's got their own room. Um, but uh, in Turkey, when we had the pre-camp, I was rooming with Nikita. So I do get passed around a bit. <laughs> I'm not sure what that says about me. <laughs> yeah, not with Azra anymore. What's it like um, being in Russia, obviously, at the World Cup? What's the whole country been like for you? How have you enjoyed the country? Yeah, it's been, um, it's been really good. Um, our, our base is, is in Kazan, so we stay here for the majority of the time, and then, and then we fly to and from the cities um, on the day before the game. Um, so yeah, it's it's a real buzz. I mean, you can just tell on, on the streets. Um, you just got um, different national team jerseys walking around. Um, we had an afternoon off yesterday, um, and yeah, went went and had a walk around the main street in, in Kazan. Um, and there's a game here to today. It's uh, Colombia and um, Poland. So um, there was uh, yeah thousands of Colombians just on the streets singing and dancing, and there's just that much excitement. Um, just around the place, um, everywhere you look, there's, there's posters and billboards. This with obviously Russia 2018 and, mm. and photos of players, and um, yeah, it's just amazing. The, just that excitement, just to, to say you're at a World Cup. Um, obviously, we don't get to see heaps of it because um, we're, we're preparing for the game and training and that sort of stuff. Yeah. But yeah, you, you see photos and videos around the streets and the cities, and it's just yeah. So much excitement yeah, around the place. You have to listen to podcasts, I guess, as well to stay on top of it all. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and just just on fans, Josh. Um, I mean, Pogba came out and said it was. He felt like the game against you against the Socceroos. He felt like he was playing in Australia. The, the Australian support was so intense. And what did you make of the support in the first game? Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Um, obviously, when um, when we heard how many fans there was going to be, that gave us a lot of confidence. But then once once we got to the stadium, it was just yeah, a different level. Um, the, the fans have been unreal. Both games have come out in numbers, just supported us the whole game. Um, and then, yeah, like the the moment for me was was the national anthem in, in both games so far. It's just nothing like I've heard before. Um, it does honestly feel like we're, we're playing back in Australia. Yeah, they're that loud. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been really encouraging to, to see all the Aussie fans over here and supporting us the whole way. And um, hopefully we can repay that and uh, by getting a win against Peru and then progressing through the next round. And Josh. 
I bet you ate VAR more than I do now, don't you, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm mean? you know what, <laughs> what did you make of that? What did you make of the whole VAR situation in the first game? Yeah, obviously that's um, when the first because I knew I knew I got a touch on the ball, um, and then and then I thought I got away with it. Obviously, he, he didn't give it straight away, and then he's gone over the sideline, and then I started off to doubt myself a little bit. I started to think it actually touched the ball, and then. Um, and then he's overturned it. But, um, yeah, look, it was one of those decisions that, um, yeah, I didn't think, because it wasn't an obvious error, it wasn't a clear-cut decision that it was a penalty or not. It was still down to um, to suggestion, I guess you could say. But, um, yeah, look, it's one of those things. That there's been a bit of controversy over the World Cup already um, with it. But it's, it's, yeah, they're just trying to improve the game and, and obviously technology is getting better and better and they're going to find any way that they can to help it. So mm. um, you get stuck on the, the good side of it and the bad side of it, I guess. And um, we've had a couple of, um, obviously, decisions go our way as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, not much you can do about it. Yeah, really. no, no, you can't. And you played so well as well in that game, Josh. Uh, we were all chewing that you were, that the decision went against you. And we also, you got a touch on the ball as well. But like you said, it's just, it's one person's opinion, isn't it? Come compared to another person so see I've said I'm not a massive fan of it and even in the A-League this year it's been the exact same so never mind mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly not much you can do about it obviously when um, if it's a clear cut decision and obvious error then yeah it obviously it, it really it works well like that but then it's still yeah left down to obviously people's opinion and the rest opinion on the day and obviously when you slow it down it's it does look a lot worse so it's yeah it's obviously hard yeah it is um, it is tough I mean I just want to know as a fan of the game, I know you are as well. What's it like coming up against Pogba and these super famous players that you've seen on TV? What's it like actually standing next to them? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's pretty intimidating. Obviously, that's one thing I know in, in probably international level, just with the size of, of the other the other countries. You're sort of looking up at them and, and stuff. And probably apart from from Griezmann and, and Kante, but um, but yeah, just yeah, standing out in the field with them is amazing. Yeah, obviously, you're playing against the best players in the world, so. Um, and that's what that's what you want to do. You want to push yourself against against those sort of players, and um, all the boys stood up well. And um, I think, yeah, we we cut out pretty much their, their front four five who who were world class players, and, and we cut them out of the game quite well. And it's up to our game plan. So um, yeah, it is it is cool to to say you played against those those players. Um, but at the end of the day, when you're on the field, it's eleven with eleven, and you sort of just forget about where they're playing and how much money, how much more money they're on than you, and, and stuff like that. And you just sort of. Like, just moving it to you on the day, really. And just um, just after the Denmark game, we've seen in the news that um, Bert van Marwijk sat the boys down and had a discussion. Could you give us just a general idea of what that chat was all about? Um, yeah, it was obviously just a, um, just speaking a little bit about the game. Um, again, saying how, how proud but disappointed he was um, in, in the way we performed, but yeah, disappointing that we couldn't get the result, um, and just just um, redefining that. We've still got a great chance in the group um, to, to progress, um, and it obviously comes down to this last game. And it's probably yeah, one of the biggest games in in soccer history to um, obviously qualify through to the next round. So um, it's just full focus on that over the next couple of days leading into that. And um, yeah, he said just um, just pretty much bumping up the boys to to get up for it. And, um, and yeah, to be honest, if, if you can't get up for for a game like this. Um, and yeah, I'm not sure what game you will obviously get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you should be doing you something else, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got a chance to represent your country and take him on to the next round of the World Cup, which, which we've only done once before, and, and not many, not many countries can do that. So, um, 
yeah, so it's um, going to be a yeah, big couple of days leading in, and then um, hopefully we can get the job done on Tuesday. So on Tuesday we'll be versing Australia. We'll be playing Peru. What's the uh, the anticipation of this team? And I suppose what are you looking at from a tactical perspective or expecting the most from Peru? Yeah, look, um, it's, it's going to be tough. Obviously, they they're pretty they're they're out of the group, so they don't have have much to play for. But yeah, that can obviously work in their favour. They've got nothing to lose, and um, and they're going to be yeah, very fast. Uh, fast, strong team. Um, they're going to be dangerous on the counter attack. Um, but yeah, we're obviously um, our game plans the first two games have, have worked wonders. Um, we we stuck to them and, and pretty much stopped the other team. So um, yeah, we'll look at how we can stop them and um, and hopefully we can do that on Tuesday. Beautiful stuff, Josh Risen from the Socceroos. Thank you so much for your time on the Shooting Stars World Cup podcast. Cheers, guys. Love your work. Thanks for having me. Uh, what a guy. What uh, a brilliant man for joining us uh, on the podcast. It was a very interesting chat to us. Now, Al, did you ever used to room with Rizzo? Um, what was he like to room with? I've definitely room with him. Um, I can't remember. He's, he's, he's a quiet old sort. He is, Josh. Um, so it's I do most of the talking when uh, <laughs> when the conversation takes place with him. But, yeah, he's a cracking lad. Um yeah, I love him to bits. Had a great tournament so far as well. So hopefully that continues against Peru. Absolutely. And just quickly, another news. So Switzerland's, we touched on it last episode, Zerna Shakiri and Granit Xhaka have now both been fined by FIFA for their goal celebrations uh, in their match the other night against Serbia. Oh, the bird enthusiasts. Yeah, oh. yeah. So they've, uh, they've copped a bit of punishment there. Uh, and obviously the Russia World Cup now equals the all-time record for penalties in the tournament. And that will be broken, I'm sure, thanks to the VAR um, and... Yeah. 20 so far. Long may it continue. Also, did you see Cristiano Ronaldo pleading with the Iran fans to let him sleep before the game last night or two nights ago? Yeah, they were outside his yeah. hotel the whole night giving up yeah, lives so, so they couldn't sleep. <laughs> How good That's is brilliant. that? Footage has emerged of Ronaldo walking up to a window and knocking on the window and saying, you know, doing the universal symbol for sleep, putting his hands to his head and saying, shush. <laughs> then the Iran fans quieting down. So Ronaldo, of course. Well, I just would have been louder. Yeah, magic of the cup. <laughs> Wound him up even more. All right, lads, that's us. This that has been episode seven of the Shooting Stars World Cup podcast. We'll be bringing you episode eight uh, in the coming days. Thanks for being here, Grati. Hey, absolute pleasure. Thanks for having us. Have a ripper day at training and uh, doing whatever you do. We'll be back in the coming days. Uh, I'm Stuart Marshall. This has been the Shooting Stars World Cup podcast. Here comes Tim Kay.